I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Reproducer. Hello, I'm Jenny Nelson. And I'm Mark Jeeves. Welcome to another podcast in our series, Reproducer, where we go behind the scenes of some of the UK's best-loved radio shows and speak to the person who makes it all happen, the producer. Now, today, Jenny and I welcome an ARIA Award-nominated producer who also happens to be one of our colleagues at Bower's classical music radio station that launched in 2019, Scala Radio. It's Lissy Day. This job is so exciting and so perfect for me because it does mean that I get to, you know, hang out with lots of new shiny people. I see what podcasts are doing and I think that commercial radio must adapt. I think the BBC must adapt. But I, I think radio has a very exciting future ahead of it. I can't believe the breadth of some of the programmes that I've made. Now, lissy has been at Scala Radio for three years. But before that, she was at BBC London working on Vanessa Feltz's breakfast show. And as we'll hear, she ran her student radio station as well. Uh, you'll hear us chat about Lissy's work producing some of the UK's best-loved broadcasting talent and also how she created a radio series that was not only a project she was very passionate about but was also presented by one of her childhood heroes. And the fact that it was nominated at this year's ARIA Awards was pretty amazing too. But we started by asking Lissy first to define the role of a radio producer. Do you want the honest answer? (laughs) Yes. I think a producer sits somewhere between a kind uh, and supportive teacher, (laughs) sometimes a bit of a um, stern teacher, and a friend. You're also somebody who coaxes the best out of people and, you know... Give them a bit of a kick up the backside if they're not doing what you want them to. Make me nice radio, please. <laughs> well, no, we've had, I mean, we've had counsellor, we've had, mm. yeah, we've had various descriptions. So teacher, actually, I don't know. We if haven't we've had, had teacher, we've had counsellor, but no teacher, yeah. Um, so going back to you, Lissy, tell us about your career. What drew you to radio in the first place and 
tell us a bit about your career path leading up to joining Scala in 2020. Yeah, of course. So I um, went to university and I picked Leeds University because I knew they had an excellent um, range of societies at the at the students' union. When I joined, it was the, the best student union in the country. And I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew that I wanted to be part of something. Um, when I was growing up, my parents used to call me Miss Extracurricular because <laughs> I love a hobby. <laughs> So uh, I knew on the first day of, uh, you know, my first semester at university that I wanted to be part of something, but I wasn't quite sure what it would be. Uh, so I remember walking into um, LUU, Leeds University Union, and just going, oh, gosh, there's so many, you know, whatever it is, hundreds of societies. Um, and I was really uh, gravitating towards the, the media society. So um, I remember the paper was there, the student TV and, and LSR, Leeds Student Radio. And that's where I sort of fell in love with radio. I, I found my fellow radio nerds there and it, it was so surreal because I sort of went to university not quite knowing where I'd fit in it's quite an overwhelming and daunting prospect and then I was like oh there are weirdos like me <laughs> who want to do um you know fun things and listen to good music and and talk about cool stuff and and that's sort of where where I began and so after university did you do any work experience during university or were you applying for radio jobs after university? Yeah, so um, I remember going over to the drama department at Radio 4 in Salford. I did a couple of weeks there. Uh, I spent some time with the Hits as well in Manchester and Radio Air in Leeds, various bits of work experience while I was at university. And then the big thing for me was I ran LSR for a year after I graduated so that is a, a paid position at Leeds University and so yeah for the year when I turned 21 I was able to stay and be kind of a, a faux student for a year and it was fantastic because I just get well my teaching career began I got to, <laughs> got to boss around 200 students it was brilliant but also in that year when I was um, I was hopping down from Leeds to London every week because I actually got uh, a gig answering the telephones on Simon Mayo's show at Radio 2 so every Friday I'd get the train down from Leeds to go and answer the phones for All Request Friday so that was my first foot in the door at the BBC. And then what went how did you get from there to BBC London? One of the people that I used to work with at Student Radio we used to present a show together and he got me a phone up shift at BBC London so answering the phones for them Um, and when I eventually moved down to London after I'd finished prancing around in Leeds for a while uh, I sort of picked up lots of different freelance shifts at different places you know indie production companies I was at Bauer as well and then yeah BBC London was the main one and here you are at Scala Radio and three years unbelievably you've been here three years during that time what's been your proudest moment I think when I started at Scala I wasn't expecting it to be the role that it has become and so for that reason if you'd asked me what I would expect my exciting or proudest moments to be I don't think that's what what they have been I I can't believe the breadth of some of the programmes that I've made. Um, the fact that here we've been given the opportunity to pitch, develop and then produce programmes, that's incredible, that's really exciting. And, um, you know, I've worked with Mr Motivator and, uh, you know, lots of different people. There have been programmes about gospel music, about folk music, about pop music. Me and Tony Hadley, oh, best jumps. Wow. <laughs> And I just think, for me, I'm the kind of person, I'm a bit like a meerkat. I'm always looking over, what's happening over there? What's going on? What's going on? And actually, this job is so exciting and so perfect for me because it does mean that I get to 
you know, hang out with lots of new shiny people. So one thing, Lucy, we're trying to find out is, is what a typical day would be like in the life of a producer. Do you have a, a typical day? Can I tell you what my ideal day would be? Please do. Is that okay? Yes. Does it involve biscuits? <laughs> Perhaps, yeah. I like starting off very quietly at my laptop and writing out a script. So I am probably at my most focused early in the morning and I'm able to bash out thousands of words <laughs> as long as there are no distractions. <laughs> and so for me, an ideal day uh, and sometimes a typical day starts out with writing a script for one of my weekend programmes, which are um, slightly more music-focused. Do you want to tell us who those presenters are? Yeah, so, so currently I am working with Angelica Bell, who uh, presents our Saturday brunch show. I am also producing Ayana Witter-Johnson. She is a cellist and uh, she's currently uh, on tour at the moment, so we do recording sessions, you know, whichever European city she happens to be in. And then another presenter called Yolanda Brown. Yolanda and I work together and she hosts our Sunday afternoon show. So those are the three sort of rotating weekend programmes I do. Um, and then on top of that, there are other bits and bobs as well. But for me, I like it when my day starts writing out lots of notes and preparation and, and planning the music for for, for those types of programmes, yeah. our, our weekend programmes. And each of those presenters, though, I'm guessing requires a different level of work, different level of prep. Sure, and um, different type of prep. I, I think the thing that I've noticed on Scala is people come to classical music from very different places. I mean, you know, you can say that for anything, but I think it f particularly at classical music, when it is st still considered a, a specialist music genre, some people and some of my presenters are super confident in talking about music mm. and speaking about how it makes them feel and the particular ways of describing music. And then other people are much more confident at broadcasting full stop. And so they would be able to make anything sound exciting, but they maybe need a little bit more help on the musical side of things. Yeah. Um, and so that means that when I'm writing scripts, when I'm preparing notes, they can look very different from one another because you start to learn what people need and, and where they uh, rely on you as a producer. Well, I think the message we have from there is don't talk to you in the morning. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I am concentrating. <laughs> but actually, probably in the last year, you've worked a lot with new presenters, as in a lot of musicians who've not done any proper radio broadcasting. And so combining that with the fact that at Scala and earlier in your career, you've worked with real broadcasting legends like Vanessa Feltz or currently you produce um, Penny's show during the week, Penny Smith. So what are your what have you learned about talent management the slightly murky world of talent management are there any kind of definite do's and don'ts that you stick to Well I think it's learning what your presenter is very good at so I would never ever tell Vanessa what to think yeah. <laughs> um or what to say or um you know how to say something because she is renowned at being very eloquent, fiercely so, and, and you know, incredibly um, opinionated. I mean, whether or not she was allowed to do that on the BBC is, a, is another thing. But so, so what I was, uh, when I was briefing her, when I was writing scripts for her, you're very much presenting her with the facts, giving her the information. Um, and I would never dream of telling her how to say something because I always know that she's going to say it a million times better than I could. But she does need to rely on me to have the, the information at her disposal. Whereas some of the newer presenters I'm working with, I know that they 
have all the background information. They know exactly how this uh, piece of music should be played, how it should sound, how um, how they feel about it. But they might need me to help them broadcast that to an audience and, and how that is going to convey to the listeners at home. Because mm. that's it's a real skill. People think, you know, oh, I can be a radio presenter. It's just talking and that's it's just not the case. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. And for you, going back to you as a producer, who have been the biggest influences on your career and why? I worked uh, for quite a long time with um, a producer called Gemma Stevenson. She gave me my first job at BBC London. Uh, And one of the things I really loved about working with Gem was that she just was the coolest, calmest person in any room. And I don't, I mean, you two know me very well. I am neither cool nor calm, ever. (laughs) And I just used to think, because she has got that, amazing ability you don't know how fast you like a little duck how fast she's working underwater but she her her exterior was just so easy and I just thought wow one day if I'm able in any way to emulate that (laughs) I'll know that I've made it halfway there especially you know working in breakfast radio you're really tired beyond tired you know jet lagged exhausted and and yet she was just able to just make anything seem easy I was always very very impressed by that that does sound an impressive trait to have. And finally, from me for now, what do you? What what is the most significant lesson that you've learned about being a producer? In an industry that is also a vocation, one that we are so passionate about, we we obviously love it. Otherwise, we wouldn't do it. I think often your identity can become synonymous with being a radio producer. And I think um, the biggest thing I've learned is to try and keep Lissy the person slightly separate from Lissy the producer because I think those two can become murky. We work funny hours. Mm. We work with uh, particular personality types and I think that line can really blur and I think it helps. I've found it useful to uh, work on projects that are maybe slightly outside of what I'm interested in so that you can feel a real boundary between what you're making Mm. and what your interests outside work are. I find it useful for me personally to to put that in a little box and make sure that this is work life and that's home life because otherwise you can feel like it just starts to take over your life. (laughs) Yeah, it can. I mean, we've spoken about this on other episodes that because it is uh, competitive and so you know, you are encouraged, if not directly, to say yes to a lot of things and to to work longer hours, to work at the weekend, to, you know, there can be quite a lot put on you or that you put on yourself because you're aware of how competitive it is. And I think that's a good a good answer is having sort of some boundaries, really. I think I would also say there are, there are people who have very successfully, particularly in the podcast space now, made their hobby their line of work you know you you start to make what you're interested in you know benefit for you financially and actually I think that for me part of part of that is able actually being able to have that distinction because I don't think I'm the kind of person that works well in having the thing that I um, am the most passionate about in the whole wide world being the thing that pays the bills I think it's nice to have those separate there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Reproducer. One of the things that we know about this podcast is that... Uh, people who want to get into radio listen to it so if you had a young producer given to you as a project what would your advice to them be uh it would be to start a classical music radio show <laughs> on your student radio station at some godforsaken time on a sunday morning when no one else is up um and then seven years later when a job opportunity comes up and they say do you know anything about classical music yeah. you can go yeah i do i promise okay. um but no in all seriousness i do think <laughs> that you need to have a backup plan have a have a plan b have strings to your bow that you you didn't necessarily anticipate and and say yes to stuff that you didn't you know know that you would be interested in you know avenues you didn't know that you would be interested in pursuing i think mm. there are some really exciting things that can come out of our industry and you got to try them no it's very true i mean on on that basis if you think back to your own younger self is there a piece of advice that you if you were sat next to you now 10 years ago uh, what would you would there a piece of advice you give to yourself well, to maybe help you i don't i don't know that was because I just I've got this really funny memory coming to mind at the moment. I have a friend who every time I see him, you know, a friend's partner, he says, "Lissy, how's how's talk sport treating you?" <laughs> <laughs> and I say, "Oh, <laughs> it always really makes me laugh because I I used to read the travel news and I read the travel news once on talk sport and for him that is his lasting memory of me and and he th he thought I'd made it. He thought that was mm. and you know, uh, I don't know the first thing about sport and <laughs> Talk sport will know that if they ever try to interview me. But I, I think it's, for me, it's the case that, I mean, I love it that that guy, that's how he knows me. But I do think if you're, uh, if, if <laughs> 10 years ago I'd known that maybe I would take some interesting avenues, uh, I don't know. I think I, I think that's just me all over. I'd sort of laugh at it. But I, I wonder if maybe I should have told myself to be a little bit more discerning maybe talk sport wasn't the avenue for me well but equally like you say you just you just got an open mind and you just you want to try things don't you yeah things like that so you did what one travel bulletin oh it wasn't many <laughs> it wasn't uh, so you're on a sports station doing travel no 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 no, no. i was i used to work for inrix the oh, um, travel broadcaster yes, and they'd patch you out to different radio That's stations right. and one of them on a roster one one weekend was talk sport <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. well excellent in your view lissy what this is a, this is quite a tough one. Um, <laughs> sorry. Oh no. What is the future of radio? And I suppose by that we mean it, the question is more kind of like how do you think it's going to adapt and change in the next five ten years, if at all? I mean, you mentioned podcasts earlier and how they can be quite niche and specific, and obviously they've given listeners so much more choice. Do you think radio will adapt, or how is it adapting to kind of counter that? Well, I, 
well, I think we can be super, like, we can navel gaze as much as we like. And I think in our industry, we're like, oh, God, you know, the end is nigh kind of thing. And then I take a step back and I speak to friends who know nothing about the industry. And they're like, oh, my God, have you heard Sarah Cox on radio too? They absolutely love it and like you know my friend will not get in the car without putting on radio one and and i have friends who who live for for various radio stations and i think if that if that is what's happening outside of the industry i think we will be fine maybe it's me being you know positive and optimistic in a way that is completely ridiculous but i just think it the industry has people who care about it people are very passionate about the media in our country and to the extent that they're super critical and I see what podcasts are doing and I think that commercial radio must adapt I think the BBC must adapt but I I think radio has a very exciting future ahead of it and on that what shows radio shows and podcasts do you personally enjoy listening to apart from Scala's offering yeah of course course. um no i i spend a lot of time listening to six music i am an avid fan of the craig charles funk and soul show i listen to a lovely podcast called folk on foot that is one of my favorites and i guess i sort of walk between yeah radio two radio four six music kind of spend a bit i'm a bit of a hopper if i'm honest (laughs) i think you kind of have to be in this industry It's interesting uh, you should mention Craig Charles because uh, we were fortunate enough to be at the Arias together this year, uh, this 2023 this year. Mm. And Craig Charles was the DJ there and you were quite fangirly there, weren't you? Yeah. I have been in a room with Craig Charles quite a few times in the last 10 years and I can't I can't go up to him. I can't let myself get too close because I'm just so excited. Mm. And mm. I remember a Glastonbury where he was just there and it felt like he had a halo around him. That could have just been because <laughs> I'd had too much to drink. But he's... He's just navigated his career so... He's played a blinder, you guys. I mean, who would have thought it that Uh Craig Charles would be on one of the most successful, award-winning radio shows? I I mean, I'm really impressed. I think he's great. We should. It's worth mentioning that part of the reason we were there was because a series you worked on, Lissy, was nominated in the Best uh, Music Special category, Mm. uh, which is... A hugely competitive category and that was and again for people listening who aren't fully aware of um, and why would you be about the resources at different radio networks like the fact that in addition to the three four roughly weekly shows that you work on this was a four-part series that you devised pitched everything was you and and I think that's something that's you know such a that you, I hope you carry that with you as a proud moment. Do you want to just quickly tell us a bit about that series? Yeah, yeah, of course. So I was keen to make a programme about uh, disability and access to classical music. So looking at ways that uh, musicians with disabilities and audience members with disabilities are able to um, spend time uh, with classical music in a, in a live capacity. And um, the idea actually... Uh, was one that we were kind of holding on to for quite a long time, trying to work out who the who the best person f- for the series would be. Um, I think because with series like this, the presenter really makes it. And so we decided to pitch the idea to uh, Dame Evelyn Glennie. She's um, a percussionist, a, a world-famous percussionist. Uh, if if classical music isn't your thing, then the, the place you might know her from is uh, she was the uh, drummer she she led a, a group of a thousand percussion players at the closing ceremony of the olympic games and so she 
she's incredible. She's she's not really like anyone else I've met before. She's a real force to be reckoned with. And when I was at school, we had houses named after inspirational women and one of ours was Glennie House. And so when we kind of got to the point that we thought, oh, maybe, maybe Evelyn might like to host the series with us. I sort of have this this really long, you know, memory from 20 years ago where I remember identifying with an inspirational woman. And I think for me, part of what I like to do at Scala Radio is is lift up, you know, whether it's women or different people of colour or, or in this series, people with different access needs. And for me, it felt like a real um, perfect marrying together of, of different parts of, you know, what I'm interested in and therefore what I thought or what I hoped Scala listeners might be interested in. Mm. Uh, and it sounds like she was really... Because obviously, I mean, because how old was she when she lost her hearing? She was eight. Eight, yeah. And it, but it sounds as though she was it was she was very involved in the series anyway. Like she was very keen to be discussing these messages of access, not just for performers but for audience members. Oh, as for well. sure. Yeah, she she was very excited to be part of it. I mean, if you're working with any musician, trying to navigate their schedules is is crazy. They're they're so busy in a way that you know they don't just get up on stage and <laughs> play his music. That you know she has a a real she has a foundation that she runs. She's a very busy lady, and yet she was still. Um, thrilled at the idea of putting this series together and and she was instrumental she she put us in touch with contact she suggested music she was very keen to um uh, you know be a part of the um the the working process of the series um and for me one of the best things that I learned in making that series was about working with a presenter with different needs in that for example if I were to work with somebody who is able to hear you would send them a piece of music and say oh listen to this link or or you, you send a track and and check it out see what you make of this and yet Evelyn isn't able to do that in the same way so I was having to send her video clips so she could watch the piece of music and experience it in a very different way or uh, we were using audio clips of all the different guests they they had to be transcribed so that Evelyn could read what was written in front of her rather than hearing it um, and I I think that that was a really important working practice and it meant that part of the series wasn't just uh, talking to listeners and, uh, you know, maybe changing the, the narrative around classical music and, and disability, but also um, looking at, at Scala and, and more broadly Bauer and, and the different types of people that we work with and we employ. I think that that was really integral. Mm. Brilliant. Evelyn Glennie, uh, 20 years before you'd been working on, you had a house named after at school. <laughs> yeah. Craig Charles. <laughs> Any other dream presenters? Yeah, can I just say there were no houses named Craig Charles. Well, they should have been. Just restraining school. orders in the making. <laughs> 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 can you imagine? Any other dream shows or presenters that you haven't worked oh. with that you'd really like to? This is where you can, you know, let it all go. That's really true. Do you know what? I I think, okay, in, in what I was saying earlier about distinction between what you're interested in personally and what you work on mm. I have this really hard relationship in my head of the programs that I love listening to do would I want to be a producer on them so for example every time I listen to Desert Island Discs I go would you actually want to produce this mm -hmm. because I imagine I mean it's just the most beautiful listen and yet does it play to my skill set is it what I'm good at would I be able to I don't know would I be able to be a producer on that show and, and still have as much love for it as I do now. I, I don't know. Okay. 
Well, if you want to find out, you can listen to another episode of the podcast where we speak to the producer of Desert Oh, Island. fantastic. Um, Send them my best. Uh, and she tells us how she makes biscuits, palm tree-shaped biscuits <laughs> for guests. So oh. how's your baking? You're quite good at baking. <laughs> Not good enough to make palm tree-shaped biscuits. <laughs> Don't tell Angelica that. Penny will be having a nightmare if she knows oh. that other producers bake biscuits for Goodness them. Goodness me. Goodness me. It's been fabulous to talk with you. Thank you for coming on the show. We, we always finish off by asking about a moment in your career which you could describe as either OMG, FFS, one of those two. Do I pick one? You can have one of each. Okay, well... well actually, no, no, if you've got some good stories, you can have more. Okay, well... Mm. Uh, my FFS moment was post-lockdown. I came into the uh, hallowed halls of One Golden Square, where Bower is based, uh, and as we all know like a ghost town. I mean, London was like a ghost town. People had, had left and not come back. And I was working on a programme with a lovely gospel singer called Karen Gibson. And she she's fantastic. Um, she was making a programme looking at choral music and gospel music. And uh, she, as we were speaking about earlier, I work quite a lot with people who haven't done a lot of broadcasting before. And Karen had never presented anything before. She was very, very nervous. And she won't mind me saying that. She was, um, I think, terrified. And so we did a lot of coaxing. We worked really hard together. She gave it the most amazing shot ever. She was an absolute star. And I lost all of the audio of her first show. And I don't know if it was me. I don't know if it was a computer. I don't know if it was Karen herself. (laughs) (laughs) And were there any engineers in the building? Not uh, no, that was me and the security guard, not oh, a single God. engineer. I think I remember the phone call. <laughs> Jenny! <laughs> We've all done it. It was awful. It was horrible. And I, I just felt sick. Yeah. Not, well, obviously sick because I'd done something wrong or the computer had done something wrong and I was responsible, but also having to make that poor, poor woman do it all over again. And she did. She was very gracious about it. Oh, Lissy, I'll come in. Don't worry when do you want me. And I just thought, wow. I've really made it. Amazing. Wow. That's brilliant then that she... Let's look on the bright side. She probably actually quite liked having another chance, another shot. First one's a rehearsal. Exactly. (laughs) What about an OMG moment? Um, An OMG moment. I I don't don't know. I think probably the ARIA nomination was pretty OMG. I remember getting a flurry of texts from from you guys when I was down the pub. (laughs) Uh, And I thought, oh, I'm so sorry. I've got to look at my phone. I've got my boss texting me. Uh, So, yeah, that was good. That was brilliant. And rather embarrassingly, my mum is obsessed with Twitter. So I just sent her a little text. Oh, mama, I got a got a nomination for the Arias. Oh, sweet baby Jesus. If you want to follow my mum on Twitter. I think I might now. Oh, God, don't. It's so embarrassing. Just like, oh, I'm really proud of my favourite producer in the world, Lissy Day. <laughs> mum, you don't know any other producers. <laughs> so, yeah, I hadn't even left the pub and there were already, you know, lots of... Twitter action from my mum. Oh, that's what everyone needs. An adorable, supportive parent. Absolutely. <laughs> they might not know how to describe your job, but they are very supportive. <laughs> In every and way. And vocal about it. Absolutely. Producer. Lovely to chat to Lissy, and we actually did that in real life in the Scala studio, which was very nice indeed, because normally our interviews are over Zoom. But there were a few things that I thought were particularly interesting about what she said, and 
Well, both of them actually refer to the kind of boundaries element. So what she said about not letting a radio producer take over your life, like not letting it define who you are, really fascinated me because for a lot of people they do, because for a lot of people not just in radio production but just your job you know you are defined by by what your career is and then also that dilemma of having your favorite radio shows but would you actually want to be the producer of them the pros and cons of that i thought that was really interesting it, it can be a really intense job i know there are lots of really intense jobs but this one really can yeah sometimes it can uh, it can take over every aspect of your life so do beware of that because you are not just a radio producer you are a human being as well exactly mark um and along with this episode with lissy day that you just heard there are plenty of other producers in this podcast series to enjoy some of whom uh, were also nominated and in fact winners at this year's ARIA Awards including John McAnally from Clyde Breakfast which was the winner of the best local radio station of the year also Jackie Blay we spoke to her she's the senior executive producer across the Hits Radio Network and the Greatest Hits Radio Network in Yorkshire she works on the Pulse One Breakfast Show with Milo and Rosie and that was the winner the gold winner of best local show also there are episodes with various producers from Radio 4, people like Sarah Crawley, who works on Woman's Hour, Lucy Proctor, who worked on The Coming Storm and Antisocial, Sarah Taylor from Desert Island Discs, all Radio 4 producers and Radio 4 won gold in the Station of the Year category. So if you want to hear any of those, they're all available wherever you get your podcasts. And if you follow or subscribe to Reproducer, you'll get new episodes as soon as they drop. Reproducer.